This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Esophageal? Esophageal cancer. Hard to say, isn't it? But not as hard as it is actually having it. That's why we're asking you to shake your lolly for esophageal cancer for Lollipop Month throughout April. You'll be helping to fund cancer research, to increase early detection and to help save lives. A little lolly goes a long way, so donate today or start a fundraiser. Get ready to shake your lolly for the 30 days of April. Visit ocf.ie to find out more. And welcome to Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. I'm Jerry Scott, the Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent. And this fortnight, I am joined by Baroness McIntosh of Pickering, Anne McIntosh. We're really happy to have you with us, Anne. Welcome. Thank you very much for having me, Jerry. It's wonderful. No, it's really great to have you on. And just for the listeners, so they know a bit about who you are, um, you were the MP for Vale of York, weren't you, between 1997 and 2010. But you didn't leave the Commons then, the boundaries just changed and you went over to first and Moulton until 2015 before being elevated to the House of Lords and here we are today. It's a uh, must be strange times to be in the Lords. It's, you've all moved to virtual proceedings like the Commons has and tell me a bit about what it's been like so far. Well honestly it's been quite a steep learning curve. I think we're, we're that generation, certainly I'm from the generation where we didn't have any technology uh, <laughs> IT skills taught to us at school so we're all self-taught and when you think we have literally gone from the real parliament where we attended right up to the week of the 23rd of March mm. to returning uh, after slight delay on the 21st of April to that week having one day where it was all fully virtual and remote and it's only been achieved through um, obviously some very hard work, uh, given the fact that hopefully people had Easter off. But uh, we are so grateful to the teams that have put this in place. We've obviously had a lot of outside help, Mm. but it's the uh, in-house officials that have made it possible. There's a clerk um, on every proceeding. It's obviously officiated over by uh, the speaker or deputy speaker and uh, digital services and obviously the providers of the outside services as well but as I say in the space of virtually three and a half weeks to go from a real parliament to a virtual parliament it has been amazing. It's been an absolutely kind of lightning turnaround I know to people outside the system it might seem like it you know we we all kind of log on to speak to family and friends don't we and you think oh it's just a zoom call it's just Skype but actually the the intricacies and difficulty of getting something like a virtual parliament up and running with things like security is much more much more difficult isn't it at, at, at two levels what one is that, that we're perhaps not the most confident i think the average age i'm delighted to say i'm below the average age is, <laughs> is, is, is 70 um and i'm more I, I confess to being more at home in the age of the cruel pen and paper <laughs> uh, but the the other level of course is um 
trying to reach out and, and having compatibility with the kit that you have. So yeah. the, the, the first day was a case in point. There, there I was, the 21st of April, keen as mustard to, to try and participate and uh, show, show that, that I was willing to, to work with these new ways. And we, we had two rehearsals, one in the morning and then a little mini rehearsal before we were due to go live. And they could not, anybody who did not have a parliamentary computer at home, which I don't, or a parliamentary laptop, we, we couldn't participate. But, you know, they were amazing. They connected us by, by telephone, mobile or landline. Oh. So there's been that level of commitment and fast speed wizardry that I'm just absolutely in awe of. Absolutely. And we haven't had too many uh, of, of the classic kind of, you know, camera pointed up the nose situation, have we? <laughs> Lots of people seem to have uh, been able to kind of get their screens at the right level. Did you get some guidance on your background and things like that and how to position your cameras? Yes, well, I, I, I gather uh, an ironing board suddenly appeared, which was noted in the Times. I thought, well, you know. Someone's on top of their ironing, better, that's okay. Better, better than washing your dirty linen in public. It is, so, yes. Uh, but yes, they, they, do, they do advise you where to, you know, your head should be in the middle of the screen. But one, uh, having spent the first day where I couldn't actually access it by mobile kit, uh, two weeks later, uh, I then found that I was just about to go live. So my name was called virtually, mm-hmm. and I pressed what I thought was the button to unmute myself, oh, no. and it, 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 the whole screen disappeared. Oh, no. And it was only because of the kindness of the uh, presiding deputy speaker that she gave me an extra 20 seconds grace. But the, the, if this happens and you see one of my colleagues or me on uh Parliament TV, uh, it, it, it is that, that we've just pressed the wrong button, which normally you can do when you're sending an email, that there's some way of retrieving it. But live TV is a little bit unforgiving in that regard. It is. It is. And we've all, we've all been there, haven't we, when um, you're kind of trying to trying to get the right button or something like that. And especially when you're under pressure, when you're thinking about making a point, I imagine it's um, it can be a little bit distracting and difficult. But what I suppose... The point of all of this is getting it turned around so quickly, making sure that yourself and your colleagues can can be there virtually is so important. What, what in your view, has been the importance for scrutiny of getting this up and running so quickly? What role really does the Lords have all the time, obviously, but especially in this time of coronavirus? So, obviously, we, we've had an unprecedented loss of liberty. Uh-huh. And I think really it's been amazing, incredible to see how um, the public have responded. Uh, and from a prime minister who, who was slightly reluctant to begin with to impose uh, these restrictions. So yeah. obviously the loss of liberty in the um, lockdown provisions, which was a massive bill in itself, it is a major exercise. But then there's the regular scrutiny. And while we've made great inroads, there are still certain things, you know, sort of we, we can go back. Um, from my point of view, I'm, I'm very focused on the fisheries bill that we still haven't had the final stages of in the Lords where it started. Yes. So that has yet to go to the Commons. The agriculture bill is a massive piece of work. It, it's mm. changing the whole basis of our farm policy and then, may I say, food policy as well. So important for Yorkshire, of course. Exactly. We like our food. 
<laughs> um, we like to buy it locally as well. And uh, so what, at the moment, yes, we've got the virtual parliament, so we are able to scrutinise. Uh, the, there's a lot of immediacy and spontaneity. There's a lot of repartee, and obviously it's all timed. So um, while there was a rule and a practice that virtually in every debate anybody could participate, this is now being time-limited to a maximum of 50 participants. And that might sound a lot, but actually if you take the valedictory uh, debate called by the Archbishop of York last week, there were 63 people wanted to participate, so there were 13 disappointed peers that, that I know of. And the other thing is, when it comes to voting, uh, we haven't quite got there yet. So voting in committee stage um, and report stage, which is when we do the main policy amendments to a, a draft bill from the government, we haven't quite mastered, certainly in the Lords, how we're going to do that. And I'm fortunate to sit on the Environment and Energy Subcommittee of the mm. European Scrutiny Committee. And we can't really take evidence in the same way that we did. So we can take written evidence, but of course, we want to often drill down into what someone submitted as written evidence to a particular inquiry and question them orally. Yes, yeah, you'd like to have them in front of you to grill, surely. <laughs> exactly. We like our pound of flesh. I didn't Indeed. say that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I think the, the problem is we can do that privately, but most witnesses, and certainly we want the evidence to be a matter of public record so that we can quote it and that will inform our view of that particular policy area. And as we uh, are due to uh, now finalise our future arrangement with the EU, this next six-month period is going to be absolutely crucial in the run-up to December. So obviously it's good that the scrutiny is in place, but we do need to go back to actually looking at how we... Our our primary role is as legislators, and and all we can do is scrutinise and revise policy that comes out of the government and the Commons. But we do need the tools of the trade, and I, I know that the House of Lords authorities are working overtime on this, and I, my heart goes out to the actual, not, not just the clerks, the officials, the, the deputy speakers presiding mm-hmm. over what are now public proceedings, but those, those poor technicians who um, are having to spend an hour logging us on up to a half hour before we go live. Mm-hmm. And then often, you know, sort of winding down at the end, they have particularly long days and they really are wizards and heroes of, of, of this time. I can't imagine it was uh, much fun in those technicians' offices last week uh, when you, were, you had to come off offline for a couple of days didn't you and you kind of sit in private because of a, a data breach unfortunately phone numbers were being read out as people joined but you're all back up and running now aren't you I, I understand <laughs> yes um, happily uh, but, but now, now that you mention it having having mastered the one mm. system and uh, having that steep learning curve we then um, to become more secure and prevent a data breach then we've switched systems so those who are participating had to go through another process and I think we've switched from it's only been a weekend since since I've participated, but they've switched to a more secure system which mm. is currently um albeit public. But if you are joining by telephone, then your telephone number will will not be published to the world. It doesn't but it, read, it, read your mobile <laughs> number out as you join. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But I mean, the, the, it was just—it's it, one of the unintended and unavoidable consequences of, of, of trying to go through so much technology in a very limited period of time. 
It is, absolutely. And, you know, like we keep saying, the technicians behind this deserve the most praise, really, because not only in places like the Lords and the Commons, but all over the country, people are having to adapt their working practices and change so rapidly to make sure we can still keep going to work and nowhere nowhere is important um as I can't a lot of people would argue. Um so what what kind of things, you know, we spoke about uh fisheries and agriculture there. What other things have you been using your interventions in virtual parliament to speak about? I know that we spoke a few weeks ago about PPE, didn't we? And the Yorkshire companies producing that. Can you tell me a bit about about the kind of things you've been doing on that? Yes, and, and that was through technology um, as well. We, we, we had a meeting uh, before um, we realised the severity, may I say, of the uh, virus, but we had a meeting in early March of local businesses, and it was hosted by industrial textiles and plastics who provide the uh, plastic sheeting that we see often on scaffolding mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. repairs are ongoing. But many will be familiar with the fact that they have chemical warfare qualities, so they have been used in the Iraq wars as well. So they, they are gifting uh, rolls of their material uh, up to a certain uh, limit, obviously, um, to the PPE effort. And I was delighted that, that through um, literally something as basic as Twitter um, and looking up the websites, I, I was able to put them in contact with Burberry and Barber. And now these gowns are being made these gowns are being made free of charge distributed by a first voluntary organization to local hospitals so the fireage james cook york Mm -hmm. and harrogate hospital will all benefit and that has all been achieved through technology absolutely technology and local connections it's that kind of you know pie not pie in the sky but um, an umbrella of this technology that we use nationally, connecting people locally at a time also where we can't make those connections in, in real life. And it's really, really interesting to see. And getting that regionally and keeping it in the region of hospitals is a great coup as well because they did need it. And it's great to see that, you know, it's the people in those communities that can provide it. Um, so it's really, really, really good to see. And um, I was amazed as well, like you mentioned there, that those kind of plastic sheetings were used in the Gulf War. I spoke to Richard, the um, who, who 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 runs the company, and when he told me that, I thought, oh, God, this stuff is incredible. I can't believe it's been used in kind of chemical warfare situations. And and now we're looking to use it for CPE. So really, really great. Um, I think it's, it's an interesting shift to the virtual parliament because you mentioned you know you lose something in the you know the feel of the room and things like that and it's it's been interesting to see it in the commons as well I've had MPs tell me that they can't kind of bob up and down to get the speaker's attention do you think you mentioned there being a limit on the number of people who could participate in the Lords do you think this is going to evolve and change as we get further into this would you like to see opportunities for more people to get involved for example yes uh and i think there's two ways of doing that and and mm. to be fair it is being these are still very early days absolutely it, it, yeah. it's you know less than a month uh that we've been here uh so i i would like to see the lord using uh what works very effectively what i've seen on television and and you know uh, parliamentary proceedings where you have the virtual screens 
so the, the, the Prime Minister is asked a question and he looks up at the screen and the people feel involved, but they're respecting mm. the physical distancing, uh, which is a requirement uh, while we work our way through this pandemic. So if we establish that we're in a, a, a special workplace where many do have access to a place in London, but many of the staff uh, travel long distances in. So we're mindful of the fact that we have to make them feel comfortable and safe as well, both travelling in and, and when they reach there. So I think we need to do two things. I think we need to improve, uh, that, that we need to have that uh, screening that, that, that they've, they've, they've had, the hybrid version where you have both people physically, uh, mm-hmm. the opposition and government physically being present and backbenchers who happen to be based in London. But then also we have the hybrid version that those of us that work remote can actually uh, feel valued by the screen. And the other very simple thing to do is to increase the length of the day and the length of each debate. Mm-hmm. So uh, go back to the old way where everybody who wished to contribute uh, could contribute, and then on the day they could always scratch if they wanted to. And it, it might seem harsh, Jerry, that we're only allowed two minutes to speak in these debates, but I remember that was a very good training in the European Parliament. Uh, mm-hmm. If you were a rapporteur presenting a report for the whole of the European Parliament, you only had five minutes. As really? A, only five minutes. So you had to be very focused. You uh, and <laughs> no, no, exactly. Uh, and so you can get essential questions over and, and you can force the government to think and rethink its policy. So some of the other things that we've been very fortunate to have are briefings from various of the farming and environmental lobbies. So I've spoken to the NSU on a Zoom uh, conversation and I'm participating in one with the Environment Agency uh, tomorrow. I've been in regular touch with the TSA and CLA uh, as well. So. Um, what will be interesting looking forward is to will there be a long-term move to those who uh, perhaps are um, subject to an underlying health condition uh, in the commons or the lords and feel safer working from home it is having invested in this kit it would seem to make sense to uh, keep a, a body of it because i i don't see to me, the danger period is a second wave or even a third wave. And I think the autumn will, when it turns cooler and when you tend to get more infections through the winter. So having made that investment, wouldn't it be a good idea to, to keep it under review and make it accessible so those who do have underlying conditions can, can still participate? Absolutely. And I suppose a consideration for, for the Lords as well is that, you know, without... Without being rude, as you mentioned at the start of the conversation, many of you, some of your colleagues are of an older generation. But of course, we do know that that does make people more susceptible to the dangers of coronavirus. So if you're over 70, for example, you do have to consider that, you know, that could be not as safe as it would be for someone who was younger to go into work. So you're right. All these considerations have to be have to be taken into account. I suppose and also young young mothers, Jerry. You know, yes, that, course, that they, yes. they can work at home, and and when we do have a younger generation now in the Lords with yeah, yeah. a young family. So I I think in every workplace, it's something that this has forced us to rethink the way that we work, and and obviously there are long term consequences for for rail companies like LNER, and uh, they they will be feeling the pinch hugely at, at the moment. Absolutely, it sounds like work is continuing as much as it can so i 
I wonder, I think there's been a, there's been a bit of a hoo-ha, hasn't there, about the allowances that you guys get have been half from 323 to 162 pounds a day because of these changes. But work is still going on. What are your thoughts on that, I wonder, Anne? So um, I, I heard uh, the statement uh, mm. that was made uh, on Wednesday, and I think we're going to have the, every political group, I'm sure, and the Lords will, will debate this. Uh, sure. I think we all want to pay our part, uh, pay our part. In, in, in my particular case, um, I uh, do engage an external uh, resource in the form of a, a staff member who works remote, Mm-hmm. And I have already cut down our hours, so I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, thankful that we will claim the allowances. You know, we are going to be um, allowed. We do have ongoings, obviously, in terms of accommodation. If people have accommodation in London, mm-hmm. but I think people accept that that we want to share the pain that the the country is going through at the moment. And I think it would be nice that those it's not that many who are salaried, but the the I think that everybody is not just those of us who receive attendance allowances who, who use them for the purposes that they are intended for, for accommodation and, and, and staff for the most part, that um, those who are salaried, I think, also should, should set an example uh, in, in that regard. We, this is obviously a temporary arrangement, and it, it's unacceptable that, that we see how many people have been furloughed, uh, those poor people who, who've been made redundant so far, and I'm sure there'll be more to come. So in many respects, we're in a we're in a very fortunate position and we, we want to show leadership in that regard. Absolutely. You don't agree with one of your colleagues that said you've been hung out to dry by the changes then? Um, I, I think it should be fair and I think it should be yeah. equitable uh, and I think it should be not just the majority who, who receive a, attendance allowance, but I think those who are on salaries should show a similar level of commitment. And, and I personally would like to see that money that is saved, and obviously it's calculable because they can just go over and see what, what we have been uh, claiming in the past few months, that the money okay. saved should go into the health service Absolutely. to pay for uh, PPE and, and to pay for uh, the, the carers and, and, and extra carers because obviously where the health and care workers have, have suffered from COVID, and goodness me, we know that a number of them, I think it's 200 now, have mm. succumbed and paid the ultimate price. But those who are suffering... Um, have to be replaced before they can return to work fully fully fit. So I think it would be a, a, a wonderful idea if that could be costed and actually contributed to the health service. But whether that's feasible or not, that's something for the health authorities to, to look at. Absolutely. I suppose my only other question before I let you go, because I know it's a very busy time for all of us at the moment, is uh, do you think that now that this kind of virtual parliament has been made such a big deal and people are hearing about it, has the profile of the House of Lords increased? And I ask that because, you know, there's a constant debate, isn't there, about the second chamber and what you guys do. And those of us who work in parliament know that you have a very important role. But do you think this is showing members of the public how important your role actually is as well? Now that they, obviously they can always see you, they can watch on TV, but it's been made such kind of a a big deal that they can. Are people more aware of what you do, do you think? Um, that, that's difficult uh, to say, <laughs> but I hope it shows that we are, you know, sort of you can teach an old girl new tricks, that we are prepared <laughs> to uh, play our part. And that, you know, where, where there are shortcomings in, in the proceedings, then, then we, we're prepared to identify them. But I think anything, whether it's virtual 
uh, Parliament, Parliament TV, that increases the public debate and allows people to participate uh, and uh, indirectly, if you like, through through the House, because obviously we're we're accessible through through emails and and, and other means as well. Yes, then perhaps. That, that is a good thing if it has increased our, our profile. And it's very difficult for those of us engaged to see if that, that is the case. But I think anything that puts Parliament back at the fulcrum of public debate has to be good. I, I know there are a lot of unanswered questions and there's a great deal of anxiety at, at, at every level, um, and particularly um, amongst those who are furloughed and those in the hospitality and entertainment industry where... They've contributed hugely to to the local and the national economy. And if you look at the tourism trade, you know, literally, it's just being put on hold in North Yorkshire at the moment. Mm-hmm. But yes, I mean, if, if that is the case, it is to be welcomed, and 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 I hope that we are contributing to the public debate and holding the government to account in a positive way. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Anne, for joining us. It's been really interesting because, like I say, I do think that. The House of Lords is something that a lot of people don't always know about, so it's really interesting to hear how the developments have, have kind of impacted you guys and, and how you get on with it. So thank you for joining us. Well, thank you very much indeed for, for having me, and I look forward to, to hearing the, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to Pod's Own Country, the Yorkshire Post political podcast. I've been Jerry Scott, the Yorkshire Post Westminster correspondent, and you can find this podcast in all the normal places you find your podcast, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, make sure you leave us a review, share and tell your friends. This weekend at Augusta, it's the Masters. And with 50% off a Now Sports membership, you can catch every, every, every and every. Watch all four days of the Masters live with 50% off a Now Sports membership for three months, bringing you all 11 Sky Sports channels. Join in at nowtv.com. 18 plus, streamed via internet, offer ends 2nd of May, standard pricing after three months.